for our scripture reading. Our first reading this evening, as well as our sermon text, is from the prophet Jeremiah in the 33rd chapter. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading this day from 1 Thessalonians in the third chapter. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise as you are able in honor of the gospel. And our gospel reading this evening is from Luke's gospel in the 19th chapter. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the moment that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road as he was drawing near. Already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for the, all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is the Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Please join your hearts together with mine as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love that you have shown us in fulfilling your promises that you spoke through your prophets so many years ago. As you pointed them to the coming Messiah, and as we hear those words, we know that that promise has been fulfilled. And yet, 
Christ himself points us to himself once again in the promise of his second coming. We pray, Lord, that you sustain us in this time of waiting and that you direct us by your spirit, that you would remove distractions from our hearts and minds as we hear your word, and that you would continue to lead us in your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. It's Advent. In the church year, I could say Happy New Year. This is the first day of the new church year. Advent is the season of waiting, a season of preparation, a season of really patience building as we continue to look forward to the coming of Christ. And Advent is a time where we see the contemplative colors of blue or purple come back out and it reminds us again of Lent, even hearing the gospel reading of the triumphal entry kind of sets our minds into that coming of Christ into his kingdom. And during this season of waiting, during this season of contemplation, during this season of just kind of suspense as we wait for a day that we don't know when it's coming, but we know that Christ is coming once again. We've seen that promise fulfilled once. We know it will be fulfilled again. And so we wait. And it's a season where I believe, as Pastor Bob and I have been talking about this quite a bit, that children understand really well. They think about it. They see the Christmas trees come up. That means Christmas is around the corner. And they know that things are coming. Cookies, buds, family, bunch of church services, presents. They pretty much remember the presents. That's pretty much what they remember, and that's what they know is coming. They're looking forward to on Christmas Day, yet they have to wait. So during that time of waiting, we usually implore an Advent calendar, right? So when we bring this Advent calendar out, it's got a window or a door or a box for every day, and we see that there's one day at a time going by. And inside of each one of those, there's oftentimes a reminder of the things that are to come, whether it's a a little baby picture or a shepherd's staff or maybe a crown or a donkey or whatever the case may be, as we look forward to that coming day of Jesus' birth that we celebrate at Christmas. But in that Advent calendar, what I find more often than not, they're, they're like, sort of okay representations of the real thing, right? I mean, think about the chocolate. When you open them up and you get the ones that have chocolate in them, if they're still in the door that they initially started in and haven't all fallen down to the bottom of the box that you bought, the chocolate's really not all that good. I mean, let's be honest. It's not that great by any means. I mean, if you were to have really good chocolate, you know that that really good thing is not generally what's in the $4.99 Advent boxes that we buy. And you eat it and you say, yeah, it's all right. That's not as good as like a Ghirardelli bar of chocolate or a family member's fudge that they make or something along those lines that you really look forward to because that's the good stuff, right? And so during Advent, we get this sort of slight bad picture of what the real good thing is. And the Old Testament prophets do pretty much the same thing. So during Advent, we're going to look at sort of an Old Testament Advent calendar as we hear from the words of the prophets. 
Today, specifically, it's from Jeremiah. And so as we hear from Jeremiah, we hear of the promise of a coming king. It may not have been those words exactly, but it was a branch from the line of David. So remember who David was. David was the good king, right? We had Saul, and then we had David, and then we had David's son, Solomon. And then after Solomon, everything went bad. Everything went out of whack. I mean, Solomon was pretty good to start, and he got the temple built, and then started to invite other religions in and other gods into the space of Israel and Judah because they were still unified at that point. And then after that, Israel split to the north. Judah was down in the south around Jerusalem. Everything went terribly. After Rehoboam and all the other kings, it just went downhill. And so in the midst of the depravity of God's people, in the midst of the horrendous things that were going on from the worship of false gods to false religious practices that were just deplorable, God sends his word. See, Jeremiah was a prophet in the midst of all of those years of the bad kings. And so God sent his word through Jeremiah to call his people back unto himself and say, Come, repent, see who your Lord is, and see no one else besides him. And then as the people didn't repent, and they continued to follow their kings, and as they continued to follow their desires, and as they continued to follow all of the things that they wanted to do that were very much outside of the first covenant God had made with them through Abraham, said, Jeremiah, we don't want to hear your word calling us to repentance. So he said, here's another word. The Babylonians are coming in and they're going to take you away from this place. They're going to separate you from God's temple. They're going to separate you from your home. They're going to separate you from the promised land. And they said, yeah, we'll see. And so in the midst of all of that, Jeremiah needed a word for himself as well as a word for all those who did believe. That God's words were true. And so as we get to chapter 33, we start to, even a little bit before there, we start to get this word of promise and hope. Something to hold on to in the midst of the dark times. Something to believe in that God would continue to fulfill His promises and not let His people get wiped off the face of the earth and that God would continue to fulfill His promise to Moses and to Abraham and to all of the fathers before these people, that he would redeem them. And so he gives this word of a branch that would be brought up from the line of David, a royal branch that would be brought in the lineage of the king, the royal king that all of the Jews looked up to as the best of the kings. And through Jeremiah, God continued his promise. That that king will come as a promise I make to you. That this royal branch will be brought up out of the line of David, within David's city even. And we see as that promise was fulfilled that beautiful Christmas night when our Lord Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the city of David, there because they were of the lineage and line of David. And this king, this king would be one to bring righteousness and justice. 
And as much as we all talk about wanting justice, I think if we were to understand who our God is in his righteousness and in his perfectness, we don't want his justice. Because his justice acted out upon us would mean that we would have to carry the wrath of God. We would have to be perfect in order to pass that test of having a good sentence handed over to us in God's judgment and in His justice. And our God is a just God, and so that penalty has to be paid. And when we hand off His mercy and His grace and say, I will take it on upon myself to be able to handle His justice, we have to be ready for all of His wrath. Because we are not righteous enough on our own. I don't think those days of Jeremiah are really all that far different from what we experience today. In fact, I have something to read for you. And I want you to think of where this might play in in history. So it goes everywhere, even now. Now that the end of the world is approaching, the people rage and rave most horribly against God. They blaspheme and damn God's word, though they well know that it is God's word and the truth. Besides, so many fearful and or fearful signs and wonders are appearing both in the heavens and among all creatures, which threaten them terribly. It is indeed a wicked and miserable time, even worse than that of Jeremiah. But so it will be. And must be. The people begin to feel secure and sing, Peace, all is well. They simply persecute everything that accords with the will of God and disregard all the threatening signs until destruction suddenly surprises them and destroys them before they know it. But Christ will be able to sustain his own, for whose sake he causes his word to shine forth in this shameful time of ours. Just as at Babylon he sustained Daniel and those like him, for whose sake Jeremiah's prophecy had to shine forth. The same dear Lord be praised and thanked with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, over all and to eternity. Amen. Any guesses on when that was written? 500 years ago by Luther. Now did any of those words ring true to today? Not much has changed. From our time to Luther's time, you can go back to Paul's uh, epistles and not much has changed as we have been waiting for the coming of our Lord. From that day of Christ's ascension until the day that Christ comes back, we will continue to wait and the world will not get better. No matter what we try to do about it. Because sin still affects the world to the point to where the whole of creation groans under that weight of sin. And so as we hear in our gospel reading today, we see the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy that a king would come, Christ born and then coming into his kingdom and leading his people in humility upon a donkey as he enters into Jerusalem to die on behalf of all of the people to carry the justice of God upon his shoulders, to hand over righteousness as a free gift to all of creation. Justice 
and righteousness carried forth upon Christ's shoulders and then handed out freely. So that as we look forward for the day that Christ would return once again, we can look forward in confidence, knowing that as bad as the world may get, nothing can separate us from that promise of God which continues on through His Word, that continued through the cross, continued through the tomb to Christ's resurrection to prove that He is the King over all things, that He is the one that has power over death and sin, that He is the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy, and that He is the King of justice and righteousness who will come again, not in humility to die on our behalf, but in glory to gather together all the righteous made so by His work as He covers you with His righteousness through baptism, through His promise, through the strengthening of your faith and the forgiveness of your sins that He hands over in communion, through all of these means which God gives you His grace, He will come again to gather you into His kingdom where there will be no more sorrow or darkness or anything at all, but only His presence. The presence that we always wait for. Amen. You pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for all that You have done for us in Christ. And we continue to pray that You would strengthen us through all of the days of our lives, the joyful ones and the beautiful ones and the dark ones. That You would ever keep our eyes focused upon Jesus and what He has done for us. Lord, be with us as we wait for You. And Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. I invite you to rise as